Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? We good? Great. Love it. Um, If you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, So glad you guys are here. My name is Mike. If you don't know who I am, and even if you don't know who I am, my name is still Mike. Um, but really glad and really excited to be here. Uh, glad that you guys chose to join us today. So uh, for those of you who don't know, I have four kids. It's four kids. And what that means is that I can't drive a normal car. I have to drive like a minivan, which is fine. I, I enjoy minivans. They're very convenient, very awesome. But in our minivan specifically, we have a DVD player. So what that means is that when we're going somewhere... My kids are watching a movie, typically. Uh, if, if they're not watching a movie, they're reminding me that I need to turn the movie on. Uh, but what it also means is that I've heard so many great movies. Uh, I've heard them, and they sounded wonderful. Uh, I haven't watched them, but I've heard them, and they were great. But uh, the one movie that's currently on repeat in our van is the movie Trolls. So this is an animated movie. If you guys are parents, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but this is a, and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to kind of give you the basics of what Trolls is. That way that if I spoil it for you, too bad. You have, you've had a few years to figure this out. But this is the basics of what happens for Trolls, at least in the beginning. So there is a creature called a troll, not a troll under a bridge, but a bright, happy character who likes to sing and dance and hug and sing and dance and hug and sing and dance and hug. If you watch the movie, you guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, but a very happy, very bright creature and who they live in, in, in trees. And so uh, one day a troll is singing and dancing and hugging in a tree and uh, a creature called a Bergen stumbles upon the troll. Now a Bergen is a creature who is Extremely miserable. They are like the epitome, the picture of miserable from the way they dress, the way they scowl, the way they look, from their hair to everything in general, the way they walk around. They are just, think of like miserable in a definition of a creature, and you have a Bergen. So Bergen, walking along, finds the troll tree, sees this troll looking all happy and glad and singing and just having a great time and thinks, I want some of that. So naturally what this Bergen does is picks up the troll and eats it. Um, Kids movie here, right? Um, But in doing so, experiences happiness for for a little bit, so much so that it it becomes so infectious that they make it a holiday called Trollstice, where um, once a year, probably because of the limited supply of trolls, the Bergens come together and they feast on trolls. Um, so fast forward a couple of years, it's Trollstis. The, the prince uh, has obviously grown his teeth and is able to participate in Trollstis for the first time. And he does. And so they have the special ceremony. He gets put up front and the chef goes, here's the troll. Here's your first taste of happiness. And he takes a bite and he spits it out. He's like, that thing's rotten. Well, it turns out the trolls have escaped. And they've replaced themselves with wooden versions of themselves. And so as they have escaped and 
The movie has a happy ending, I promise, okay? So if you haven't watched it, go home and watch it with your kids or maybe by yourself. That's fine, too. Um, But the Bergens instantly go back to being miserable. They instantly go back. They say, say, we will never, ever, 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 ever be happy again. And that's their attitude. And it kind of got me thinking, as as I'm hearing this in my van, uh, it got me thinking a lot about the topic that we're going to be talking about today, which we're going to be talking about fasting today. And how often, you know, when sometimes when we take, when something gets taken out of our lives, or we take something out of our lives that's good, we tend to walk around all dark and gloomy, like our pet dog just got ran over, and it's not really how it's intended to be. But it kind of got me thinking about it, because here's the thing that I want us to think, or at least the lens, right? Sometimes taking something away, it helps us adjust our focus to where it ought to be. We don't need to walk around all dark and gloomy like our pet dog got ran over. We need to understand that there is a purpose for this. So when it comes to fasting, it's a topic that's uncomfortable. Quite literally, sometimes it is uncomfortable because it's taking something out of your life, normally like food or something like that, to where you are uncomfortable for a period of time. But there is a purpose. And I promise you that if you make it a normal spiritual practice in your life, it will help you to experience God on a deeper level. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we've been talking about in this series. We've been talking about experiencing God. And we've been right smack dab in the middle of the best sermon that's ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. And what he is uh, trying to teach us in different countercultural ways that we can uh, experience God on a deeper level, but also just be better followers of Jesus. And so right now what he's talking about as we're in Matthew chapter 6 is a couple of spiritual practices that... Uh, the first century Jews have kind of got mixed up. Uh, he starts off with giving, talking about when you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Talks about when prayer, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who stand in the synagogue and, and love to be heard by people when they pray. Because why? Don't do it to be seen by people. Because if you do it to be seen by people, then you already have your reward, which is the praise of man, which is shallow. Do it to be seen by God, because then you'll have your reward from him. So they've kind of got a couple of these spiritual practices twisted. And Jesus takes on another spiritual practice when fasting that they've also gotten twisted. So um, I'm just going to warn you right up front, like fasting is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to experience. It's uncomfortable to talk about. But I hope that you all are hungry to listen. I'm sorry, I had to throw a dad joke in there somewhere. I'm sorry. But why? Why does Jesus lump in fasting with normal spiritual practices of prayer and giving? Why does he do that? I mean, I thought fasting was supposed to be for somebody who was like super spiritual, somebody who, who has had an upright relationship with God. I thought fasting was, was meant and designated for those times where we're praying and we're asking God to move in a mighty way. I thought... Well, doesn't God want me to be happy, Mike? Like, hold on. But he doesn't want to deprive me of something, does he? There's a lot of things when it comes to fasting and a lot of different opinions that come when it comes when we talk about fasting. And and, and the thing I've I've found is that fasting kind of has this mysticism about it. You know, it has this 
this understanding of like, especially if you look at it where we're at right now in the church calendar, right? We're in, in Lent where we remember the 40 days that Jesus journeyed in the desert and he fasted and we fast from something. That's typically in the, in the normal church calendar. That's what people are going right now. So there's all kinds of different sorts of opinions and thoughts when it comes to fasting. And, you know, is, is it optional? Is it not? Um, Maybe if I fast, I should, I'll just, you know, that one thing that I shouldn't be doing, I'm just going to fast from that. You know, what, what does it mean to fast? And what we'll discover is that fasting does have a purpose. It has a purpose, and it has a good purpose. But to understand what fasting is, we need to understand what fasting is not. And luckily for us, if we continue in Matthew, Jesus will tell us exactly what fasting is not. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And this is what Jesus says. He says, Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. So when you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to people. For truly, I tell you, they have their reward. So Jesus is hitting on a, a certain group of people that he typically likes to hit on, which is those hypocrites, which are typically the Pharisees. Um, and he's saying, don't be like them. Because when they fast, they make it obvious to people. And they, they want their reward is the praise of people, not the praise of God. Okay, I get that. But what we have to understand is that, Jew, um, that Jesus is talking to a first century Jewish audience who would have understood very well what fasting was. In fact, they understood it so well that it was actually in the law of Moses that they were to fast at least once a year, which was on the Day of Atonement, which is on the festival we know as Passover. They were commanded by, in the law of Moses that they had to fast at that point in time. But they also fasted at different festivals throughout the year. They fasted to remember certain times. Even, even to, ne- to this day, they are fasting to remember the, the fall of the first temple, the fall of the second temple. They, st- they still, the first century Jewish pre- person especially, knew what fasting was because they had experienced it. And they had actually even experienced it in a very tangible way when they saw the Pharisees fasting. So, so the Pharisees, they fasted a lot, like a lot. Twice a week, in fact. It said they fasted on Monday and on Thursday, every week they fasted, and so, which just so happened to be the most one of the most prominent uh, days for the market to be up and running. But what they would do is they wouldn't just simply fast. They would find their old ratty garments that had maybe had holes in them that they probably hadn't washed in like six months. They would put that on. They would. Um, not really take care of themselves with hygiene. They would throw dust or ashes on their head. So, and they would, then they would go out and they'd walk around and they'd look all dark and gloomy, kind of like what Jesus is telling us not to look like. So a first century Jew would have understood what fasting was. And they would have understood that the reason why the Pharisees would do this, at least on the outside, was to show their commitment to God. But really what was happening underneath the surface was that they were showing the commitment to praising the praise of people, which we have established. The praise of man is very shallow. So Jesus' warning right here, it drove straight to the heart, straight to the heart of the issue, which was the mo- their motives were off. Their motives were off. Think about it like this, okay? I like to think as fasting is a lot like exercising. 
Okay, it takes a lot of discipline and time and resources to stay diligent in exercising. Same with fasting. Okay, I'm one of those people that I I don't do very good working out. Okay, so I'm one of those people that uh, would be terrible at this, but I'm working on it. But if you think about it, fasting is like exercising, and typically when you exercise, if you stay diligent and you continue to work out, you're typically doing it for one of two reasons. At least a couple of reasons I found are a couple of different motives, right? The first motive is you're doing it for health. You're trying to be healthy. But the other motive is that you're doing it for vanity. You're doing it for vanity. And the people who work out for vanity or exercise for vanity, they're the people who will buy the best pre-workout supplements, buy the best post-workout supplements. They'll buy the best-looking workout clothes so that when they go to the gym, they're, they're dressed to a T. They're the same people who will take pictures of themselves in the mirror, flexing. Uh, the, they'll post videos of them working out. All for what? The praise of people, right? That's kind of what the Pharisees are like. Then on the other hand, you have the people who exercise for health. What do they do? They go to the gym. They're diligent with their time. They don't really necessarily post on social media that they are working out. They will, um, in fact, you probably wouldn't even know that they would, were, they would exercise other than the fact they would be looking healthy and eating healthy and making good lifestyle choices. That's the thing with these people that are, are working out and exercising for health is they're doing it for a more holistic health. Because there are studies that show that working out and exercising isn't just a physical thing, it's a mental thing. There are chemicals that get released in our brain when we exercise that allow us to be more mentally healthy. And so when we exercise in the form of fasting, we get to be more spiritually healthy. So there's two motives there. And here's the thing that Jesus is really trying to hit at, especially with this, when we go back to fasting, is that if you have to make your face look unattractive or look or make it obvious that you are doing something super spiritual to get the praise of somebody else other than God, then you're probably a little off in your spiritual compass. So that's what Jesus is trying to get us to understand here. And so he tells us what fasting is not. So how do we fast? Well, luckily Jesus gives us the road forward in the next couple of verses. In verse 17, he continues, he says this, But when you fast, pull oil on your head and wash your face so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, go about your normal business so that your fasting isn't obvious to people. And then what? Let's see here. Fasting isn't obvious to people, but when you fast, and then... But it's obvious to who? Your father who is in secret. And your father in heaven will do what? He will reward you. So let's, I want to break this down here. Um, right in verse 17, the first four words are, but when you fast. When you fast. But not a, but if you fast. So in case you didn't know it, in case maybe this is just an awakening for you, fasting is something that Jesus expects us to do. He expects us to do it. Even so much so, if you look a couple chapters later in Matthew chapter 9, he's um, hanging out with his disciples, and the disciples of John the Baptist come to him and say, Hey, Jesus, I noticed that your disciples aren't fasting like we do, or like the Pharisees do. What, 
what's up with that, man? And he goes, well, while the bridegroom is with them, so while I'm with them, they'll feast and they will enjoy life because I am with them. But there will come a time where I won't be with them. There will come a time I won't be with them, and they will fast. So fasting is a normal spiritual practice. That's why Jesus lumps it in right there with giving and prayer, because it is something that he expects us to do. And Jesus knew about fasting. He knew about the purpose of fasting. He understood what fasting was because he experienced it himself. Even if you think about seasonal Lent, Jesus went into the desert for 40 days, and what did he do? He fasted from food. So Jesus understood fasting, and he understood what it meant, and he expects us to do it. But what should we do? What should we do when we fast? Well, it says, put oil on your head, wash your face, you know, have normal hygiene, walk around like you normally would. Because otherwise, you will have what? No reward. You'll have your reward from people, but not from God. So... It's kind of like this. Right? Think, think about it like this. Right? When you fast, what do you do? You go about your normal business. And that's, it's kind of hard for us to do that because when we do something good, what do we want to do? We want to show our work. Right? When we do something good, we want to show our work. It's been ingrained in us ever since grade school. When we're going, like, think about this. I was, I was in a math class one time, and I don't like math, but I was in a math class. I had to take it. And first test comes and rolls around. Time to take the test. I do all the math in my head. Done. Turn it in. I know I got all the answers right. I come, it, gets, it comes back to me and I have points off. I'm like, those are the right answers. What's going on, teacher? She's like, you didn't show your work. So it's been ingrained in us ever since we were, well, some of us, since we were little, to show our work. I mean, think about it like this, Okay. Um, so my wife and I had the, had the privilege of purchasing a 120-plus-year-old house when we moved to Bluffton. And that's kind of normal for some people in Bluffton. I know that some of us probably have houses that are at least that old, maybe older. But the problem with a 120-plus-year-old house is that they're rarely ever in mint condition. You have some projects you have to do with them, Right. And so we have had all sorts of projects with our house. Um, the first thing we did is we did we painted a bunch of walls. I can only think of maybe a select few walls in our house that we have not painted. Uh, we have pulled up carpet to ex- expose this beautiful hardwood floor. I don't know why you would do that. But there, we pulled up carpet to expose this beautiful hardwood floor. We've, um, we've, <laughs> we've painted everything we have refinished our stairs we we uh actually stripped the paint off of our stairs to expose the beautiful wood that's there we have done all sorts of projects to this house and there's actually one project and this is our most recent project that we did that i'm the most proud of right now it's because it's recent but my wife and i uh we tiled the backsplash in our kitchen and i actually have a picture of it up here um it's it's something that i'm really proud of and it's great uh, there's actually some actually some more close-ups here. There's one there, and then there's another one right there. I mean, it, it looks it looks good. I'm really proud of our work. You guys see what I'm doing here? I'm showing my work. You see, even for me, I struggle with this because you know what? You can I mean, you can tell by the pictures. We didn't even bother to clean up before we started taking pictures. We just started taking them. 
because we were so proud of our work. And that's hard, because right? we did something good. The kitchen needed a backsplash, and we did the hard work of putting one in. But I wanted to show my work. And that's hard. It's hard because when we do something good, that's what we, exactly what we want to do. And so when we do something like fasting, which is good, Jesus is saying, do it in secret. When we pray, which is something good, Jesus says, do it in secret. When we, when we give to the poor, Jesus says, do it in secret. I'm, but aren't we supposed to be the salt of the earth and the light of, light of the world? Like what? There's this tension that happens here. And it all goes down, it breaks down to our motives. It all breaks down to why we are doing it. And I want you to understand that doing something good isn't bad. It's good to do something good. But it's all about the motives and who we are trying to please. And if you continue to try to please people, you will continually be let down because people like to let you down. God will never let you down. And it can be hard because we want to show our work. But we must understand that our priorities need to be to please God first and foremost in everything that we do. So the question is, whose praise are you trying to gain? It's kind of like, um, think of those social media guys that go out on the streets and they, they give money or they give food to the homeless. And, and I'll admit, there have been some really great interactions that I've seen. But typically what happens at the end of those videos is that these guys are like, look how awesome I did. Look what I did. I gave this guy so much. They're doing it for the praise of the people or the people that are watching their video. They're not doing it to be a blessing. They're doing it to be blessed. Their motives are, some of them, now there are some that aren't that way, but, you know, their motives are a little bit off. They're, you know, I don't know about you, but I would much rather get praise from God, my reward from God. Something we need to understand about this world and the things that are in it and the people that are in it is that we are all fleeting. We are passing away. Like that, the social media trends, um, fashion trends, the TV shows, technology, all of that, it's all here for a moment and then gone. It's all a vapor. It's gone. I'm not saying that to depress you. Or to make you say, what's the point? But I'm trying to get you to understand that there is, there is a point. There is a point, and there's a question that we have to ask ourselves, and where is your hope? We'll talk more about that next week with Brandon, but it's, I just want us to understand that it's a good thing to get praise from people. But it shouldn't be our only motive. Okay? It should be secondary to the primary motive, which is to please God. Because we need to understand that our reward is so much deeper than just simply the shallow praise of man. When we put our hope in God, when we try to please him, we get an abundant life here, right now, through Jesus. But we also get to spend eternity in the presence of God. And that is our ultimate reward. So where's, where's your hope? And I hope you understand that the toil and the work and everything that we have to put into what we do here as Christ followers in this fallen world it's all worth it. It's all worth that reward. That's what we're all striving for. And how do we do it? By doing normal spiritual practices. And that's fasting. Fasting is normal. So what I want to do right now, hopefully we are all on the same page with what fasting is. Um, but I want to break it down practically. I want to break it down practically of what fasting is. And I found this really cool acronym for FAST, so F-A-S-T, 
So note takers, you can rejoice and say amen because I'm going to give you some great notes to take right now. So F-A-S-T, that's the acronym for FAST. And it's by a guy, his name is David Platt, or is David Platt, uh, has a great website, but I found it there and I just wanted, I felt like it just was, it fit perfectly as to why we fast and how to do it. And I wanted to share that with you. So it starts with the F. And the F means to focus on God. So when you fast, you're focusing on God. That's the F. You are taking that time and you are seeking God and seeking God only. This isn't a time where you have your cell phone on, where you could get distracted. This is a time where you are solely focused on God. All distractions are gone. So the F. Seek God, focus on Him. The A. Abstain from food. So biblically speaking, fasting was abstaining from food. It was taking a day or two or 40 if you're Jesus, and you are abstaining from food. And this is why I think this is biblical. I think this is why it's a great way to fast is because you get a literal prompt. Your body prompts you that you, when you're fasting that you need to focus on God. Because why? Your stomach starts growling. Some of you right here, your stomachs are probably growling right now. Say, Mike, I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. You get a literal prompt that you need to focus on God. And so I would just say abstain from food and do it for a day. Do it for maybe you're maybe you haven't even you've never fasted before. Start with a meal. Start with two. Maybe work your way up to doing fasting for a day. But work your way up there and still continue to drink water if you're abstaining from food because we don't want you to pass out and hurt yourself or worse. But Abstain from food. And if you are a person in this room, and I just wanted to put a full disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not promoting. If you if your doctor says you need to eat meals, if you are physically unable to abstain from food, continue to eat your food. And don't say that, well, Pastor Mike told me that I need to abstain from food. You know, so if you, eat, if you are a person who you have to eat your meals to take your medicine, or if maybe you have a condition like diabetes where you need to eat, that's okay. Don't abstain from food, but abstain from something else. Find uh, something you love too, right? Not something bad that you're supposed to already be abstaining from. Okay, abstain from social media. Abstain from your phone. Something that you enjoy. And in that time, what you're going to do as you're abstaining is it's not time wasted because you're going to be doing what the S is, which is you're going to be substituting. So you're going to substitute that time that you would spend eating. You're going to substitute that time you'd be on social media or on your phone. And you're going to spend it focusing on God. You're going to spend it opening the Bible and reading it. You're going to spend it journaling. However you can connect with God in those moments, you're going to do it. It's not going to be a waste of time in it. And it's going to be time in extra prayer and extra scripture reading. Because those are normal expected spiritual practices, right? So this is extra time. As you are fasting, you are not just simply abstaining from something for the, the purpose of abstaining from it. You are actually using that time, and you are substituting it with more time with God. Because here's the thing I want us to understand about fasting. And here's, really, if you want to write something down, really, or remember this, remember this one, what I'm about to say. It's that fasting is feasting. And taste and see that the Lord is good. Right. 
Fasting is feasting. Fasting is feasting. And I'm not talking about literal feasting of food. Because what you'll find in your time of fasting is that you're actually feasting on the Word of God. You're, you're soaking that up. You're soaking your time up with God. You're journaling. You're, you're connecting with Him. Fasting is feasting because you're feasting on spiritual fruit, which will lead to spiritual growth. So fasting is feasting. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the T. It's a taste and see that the Lord is good. And you will. You'll get to commune with God. And you'll, you'll, if you start fasting, you will literally get to see that spiritual fruit happen. And I love Psalm 34. It's a, one of my favorite psalms. But that's where taste and see that the Lord is good comes from. But it says this. We start in verse 4. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And he rescued me from all of my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. And their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Those who seek the Lord, what happens to their faces? They're radiant with joy. Not dark and gloomy. Guys, we need to understand this about fasting. Fasting is a gift from God. It is literally a time where we get to spend time with God. We get to take away a gift that God has given us and spend it with the gift giver. Fasting is a good and it's a normal spiritual practice. It's taking something good out of your life and spending it with God. And the thing that you will find, as we just read, is that you'll find joy. You'll find joy in this. And you'll, you'll see a reward. It may not be a tangible, you know, if you fast, you're not going to make a million dollars. That's not, that's not what I'm saying here. But your spiritual growth, that, that happens in your time of fasting something that is far more better than anything materialistic that you can get right here on earth. And I can think of no better example of somebody seeing the joy set before them and enduring something physically painful than Jesus. Scripture says, for the joy set before him, Jesus did what? He endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus knew what physical suffering was. He knew exactly what he needed to do to save us. Not just to save us, but to give us an abundant life through him. And what did he do? He died for us. He died for us, for sinners like you and me. And that's the thing, that's, that's the crazy thing about all of this. You think about it, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we, were st- while we are still sinners, because we are, Christ died for us. It's hard to wrap your head around the almighty God wanting to spend time with you. Because I know my past. I know what I've done. Yet God still loves me. And he wants to spend time with me. And he proved that through sending Jesus. And everything that Jesus did while he was on this earth. He proved his love. So if you haven't heard it in a while, God does love you. And he proved it with his son, Jesus. 
So if Jesus is willing to go through a little bit of physical discomfort, I think we can go through, well, let's be honest, his physical discomfort was not a little. He died. If he did that for us, I think we can spend a time in physical discomfort or just discomfort in general, if you can't abstain from food. And we can spend that time with him. We can wrap our head around that the almighty God wants to spend time with us. We just need to make the time. And fasting is a really great prompt for that. So I don't know what that action step is for you. I encourage you and highly encourage you, if you can abstain from food, to do that. Because it does give you that prompt that you need to focus on God when you're... And in that time, right, we're not wasting it. We're substituting it with more time with God. So if you can abstain from food and not die do it but take something out of your life something good and use that time that you would be spending doing that said thing with god in scripture we got the dwell app you guys can turn that on listen to that in that in those moments you there's an endless amount of possibilities of things that you could do to spend time with god but do it this week and just to let you know, like in the New Testament, there's no write-up on the frequency of fasting. It just says that it's regular. So I don't know what regular means to you. Maybe that's once a week. Maybe that's once a month. Maybe that's once a quarter. I would encourage you to do at least once a month. But spend that time. Because why? Fasting is feasting. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. And you guys can stand too. I forgot to tell you that. God, what an honor and a privilege it is that we get to come before you. And we get to pray. And not just pray, but you hear us. God, as we come to you in prayer today, I just I pray for courage for all of us. I pray for wisdom pray that you allow us to feel your love in a real and tangible way. God, whether that's through prayer, whether that's through giving, whether that's through fasting or all three, God, I pray that you would give us a path forward on what that looks like for us. God, give us that, that moment this week, this month, this year, where we can continue to feast and taste and see that the Lord is good. We thank you for the gifts that you give us. God, we we pray that you allow us to acknowledge the gift giver. To understand that this world and all the things in it, even though they are fleeting, God, you created them. And you created us and you love us. And you sent that through the example of your son, Jesus. God, as we go out into our lives, there will be many moments, many times where we do not want to be uncomfortable. I ask that you allow us to surrender that control to you. Because living this life, following your son Jesus, is a life and one that we will have to lay ourselves down over and over and over and over again. But it is a life that is absolutely 100 
and thousand twenty five million percent worth. That's not even a number. But it is worth it, God. It is one hundred percent worth it. We love you. We honor you and we praise you and hear us as we sing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.